We are in a, uh, the, the last message of this February series, and it is uh, living with passion, igniting godly passion in the lives of God's people. Uh, read that scripture with me. Let everything you do be done in love. Sometimes I say that and you think, just nice. No, uh, how many have ever done anything ferocious because of love? Anybody ever done that? I mean, uh, sometimes you just, have to, you just have to get up and uh, go to work. Am I right? You have to do things. Uh, you do it in love. You, you deal, with, deal with people in love. Uh, love is powerful. Can I get an amen? amen? And the word love speaks of the passion that God wants us to have. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That was a passionate work. That ferocious work of Jesus. Loving us, dying on the cross, and then, and then rising again. Uh, we've been through, this will be a fourth message. We've talking about the force, the power of the Holy Spirit, how God wants to touch our families, and the, 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 the flame, the, the power of the passion that, that can cause us to impact the world. Today, um, I want us to talk about a future, and my topic is a passionate future. Uh, looking at Nehemiah 4.14, read this with me. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Would you read that one more time? Everybody read it. Come on. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your home. I'm going to talk about the, the, the future today. I want you to look forward not with fear, I want you to look forward with passion. I want you to consider what is next, the next season of your life. I want you to consider it, and I want you to look at it with passion, not with fear. Uh, and I want us also, when we look at the future, I want us also to look at the future with spiritual accuracy. Because I think sometimes we kind of make up in our mind what the future is going to be kind of decide for ourselves what it's going to be. And our, I'm not even sure if our children know about the future. How many believe our children need to know about the future? Do you believe that? I mean, they, they need to know. They need to know God's great plan. And so when we look at Old Testament, it's, the, the Bible says that uh, it's a shadow of other things. It's a, a type and shadow is the way that we look at it. So many of the stories in the Old Testament, they're spiritually accurate and powerful, things that we actually experience in our life, but it's also speaking of who we are and what God is going to do. So we're looking at the story of Nehemiah here. How many have ever felt so tired and weary that you're ready to give up? Anybody ever felt that way? Wave at me. You know, just so weary, just, wow, are you kidding? And you just give up on things, just, just quit on things. Uh, you're, you're, we're going to look at a group of people here that have felt that way. And we're going to consider our own lives and our own future and why we need to passionately per pursue future. Uh, Nehemiah, interestingly, written by a man named Nehemiah. How's that? Nehemiah. And uh, it is a story of a man who lived in very challenging times. He was in the service of uh, the Persian king Artaxerxes. You can just call him Art if you want to remember it, okay? Artaxerxes. Uh, and uh, he, he, Nehemiah faithfully served him. Artaxerxes, when I, when, I, when I talk about King Art, I want you to know that he was not just another king. King Artaxerxes was the king of the known world. I mean, you, you remember that old movie? Look, Mom, the king of the world. You know, this guy was the king of the world. He was the king of the known world. And he had, and, and so, so Nehemiah had the opportunity to serve him. And he served him with, 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 uh, with great uh, ability, uh, with great consistency and excellence. Uh, but Nehemiah was also a Jew, and he had great reverence for God and a great heart for the welfare of his own, of his own people. Several years prior to Nehemiah's day, before Nehemiah had come to this position, the Persian king Cyrus, if you were here last Wednesday, I taught you about this. The Persian king Cyrus had ended the 70-year captivity of the Jewish people in Babylon. 
and permitted them to return to their homeland and rebuild so that they could rebuild the temple and rebuild the city. And so just so you have a, a more of an understanding, uh, Iraq and Iran are modern-day Babylon and Persia. Okay? Iraq, Babylon, Iran, Persia. That's modern-day today. So just so you know, same thing has been happening for a long, long time. Same kind of struggles. So if you remember, in fact, I talked about this before, uh, that uh, Babylon had come because Israel, uh, the, the, the kingdom of Judah, had submitted to idolatry, to all kinds of evil. And so God raised up Babylon, and they came as God had said they would, and they, and they just wiped out, they destroyed the temple, they, they tore down the walls of the city of Jerusalem, and they took away the best of the best, uh, they, they, they made Israel their slave. So a nation that had been set free of captivity in order to become a nation. Remember that? How many remember the story of Exodus? Okay, so now they are enslaved. And so they cry out to God and some false prophets say, yeah, God's going to take care of this tomorrow. Jeremiah shows up and says, no, God has a plan for you. I'll get to that in a moment. But... Uh, it's going to take 70 years, so you're going to be here, and you're supposed to build your families, build your homes, but in 70 years, you're going to be set free. So 70 years later, we find Israel back in, uh, in, in Jerusalem. We find Judah back in Jerusalem. Now, now, I want you to understand this, because uh, Nehemiah, who is now the servant of King Artaxerxes, has somebody, a relative, who comes to visit him in, uh, in Persia, and he tells them, Nehemiah says, well, how are things back home? And, and, Nehemiah, and, and the, the relative says, it's terrible. I mean, they've been set free, but when they get back to Jerusalem, the walls are torn down, the gates of the city are burned. Uh, it's, it's like everything is a mess in Jerusalem. And it's, it's a tearful story of what's going on. It, it reminds me of... Uh, this past year, we were in, uh, back in Ohio, and we were driving down. This, it, we were in the city of Kinnikinnick. Kinnikinnick. There's actually a little town called Kinnikinnick where my wife grew up. And we went to the home place there. We drove by the home place. There was, a, there was a sign on the door, big sign, saying that this place had been foreclosed on because the people that owned it had not taken care of it. It was just a mess. I mean, it was the place that Diana, the only house that Diana knew as a child. And so... Uh, we, you know, her bro a couple of her brothers and I, we were there, and they were, they really wanted to look inside the house, and so I, I might have opened a window and climbed in, and, uh, <laughs> and opened the front door. There was no sign that said I couldn't, all right? And it was, it was the house, you know, we were dying, and I, we dated right there. That was the house right there. That's, that's where she lived, across the street, so I, so I climbed in the window and opened the front door and went, went in. I'm telling you, there was... It was the smell of animals, and uh, it was just horrible. There's actually snakeskin on the floor where evidently a snake had been in the house. It was, it was just horrible. You know, the, the room that was Diana's bedroom, just absolutely a mess. It, you couldn't hardly breathe in the room. Open the door to try to air the place out. And, and uh, so, uh, I mean, it was just, could you imagine that? It was the only house that Diana ever lived in, and to see it in that kind of a mess. So multiply that like 100,000 times over. And, and I'm telling you the report that Nehemiah receives from his relative, okay? So can, can I just, can I just say, say this? Sometimes, sometimes people are saved, but they still haven't fixed their house. It's like you got set free. You got set free, but you've left all these other things undone. And that's not God's plan. He not only wants to save you, but he wants to rebuild some things and restore some things that have been absolutely destroyed in your life. Can I get an amen from someone? I mean, you've been through some stuff. And thank you, Jesus, for saving me. But God is a very practical God, and he wants to... Come on. So... The, when the Babylonians had attacked, again, they destroyed the place of worship. There was so much to be done. And when Nehemiah heard this, his heart was like he was ready to burst from grief. And he cried out to God for his people. He cried out for the honor of God's name, the city of God. And as a result, God laid it on his heart to seek permission from King Artaxerxes to leave uh, the kingdom and go to Jerusalem and supervise the rebuilding of the city, specifically rebuilding of the wall. 
and God miraculously granted the king's permission. And so uh, Nehemiah finally, miraculously, is given this permission. He has the tools, the resources, the money to head back and to rebuild. But when, when he got there, the first thing he, he did was just ride around the city and examine the condition, and it was a terrible mess. It was a pile of rubble, and, uh, and I love how Nehemiah rallies all of the people. He doesn't bark orders at them and command them to get to work. He said, he just looked at them and said, let us rebuild. And he gathered the leaders together. And he says, you, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us rebuild the wall for Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And he told them of God's goodness and his good hand upon him and the miracles that he had done. And then he says, let us rise and build. So, rise and build. Don't you wish the enemy would just be quiet? Anybody ever wish the enemy would just leave you alone? Anybody been there? Just, just Satan, would you just hush for a while? But there was a threat that arose among them. And there were those who were against the work of the Lord. And they heard about the positive momentum. And in Nehemiah 4 and 7, uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls were going ahead and that the gaps were being closed and they were very angry and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But, Nehemiah says, we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. I love that. So, so there's a struggle, not from within, but there's a struggle from without. There's a struggle outside. And so they prayed. And I, and I love what Nehemiah does. He says, guys, come on. We're going to keep building this wall. But he didn't just say that. He also posted guards. He went and posted, we're going to post some guards in case somebody shows up. So, so some people, how many believe in faith? Anybody believe in faith? How many know that faith without works is dead? So I'm praying that God's going to take care of my home, my family. Well, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm praying. Well, you need to pray and you need to add some other things because do you understand that it, just if you have a family, do you understand that the enemy loves to attack our minds? How many know that you have to take every thought captive? So you might need to actually post a guard upon the minds of your family. So what are you thinking? What's going on? I, I taught you in our family prayer initiative to talk with one another, to ask each other what's going on, to talk to your children, to say, so what's going on? How are you feeling? What's going on in your life? You know, just those situations because the enemy, come on, how many know the enemy is diabolical? Does anybody know that? And he is a liar. In fact, look at this in, in verse 10 of Nehemiah 4. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. We're tired, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. We're going to infiltrate. We're going to kill them and put an end to their work. So then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So they get the threats of the enemy in their own minds. How many know sometimes God's people will quote the devil to one another? So that's what's going on. They have told us that they're going to, hey, hey, I see you up there working, but Sandalit and the boys have said that they're going to infiltrate us, and while we're working, they're going to attack us. Somebody shout fight. Would you say that? Fight. Come on. You're not going to have, come on, you're not going to have what God wants you to have unless you make a stand. I just, I mean, all the negatives, all of the plots, all the weariness, all of the threats, no place to hide. But Nehemiah doesn't ignore their words. He uses their words as fuel. And he says, so I stationed some more. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, at the exposed places, all the gaps. I posted people beside families with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them! You hear that? Can you hear it? It wasn't, don't be afraid of them. No! Don't be afraid of them! 
Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Fight, fight, fight for your sons. Come on, fight for your wives, fight for your husbands, fight for your daughters, fight for your families, fight for your neighbors. Anybody passionate about the things of God? Anybody passionate? It'll show up in your fight. You know, I ask this because we're in a similar time when God is asking his people, what are you truly committed to? What are you committed to? The walls need to be rebuilt. But it's not just about the wall. It's about your children. It's about your children's children. And I know you're tired and there are people that are tired. They're returning from exile. So after 70 years, they come back and say, hey, we're back home. Oh, look at the house. Look at the place that we're returning to. They've been enslaved by foreign people. They just experienced the prophetic deliverance that is spoken of. You know Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 where Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, after 70 years are complete at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. So they've experienced the prophetic miracle, and they were free, and they're back, but, back, but the task is so great. And the enemy, anybody hear me? The enemy is so loud. Folks, no matter what you're facing right now, you need to be passionate about your future. Somebody shout, I want it all back. I want it. Shout it. Come on. I want it all back. We should be passionate about our future. And, and, and there are a couple of reasons here. One, he says, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great. Somebody shout, God is great. Would you shout it? God is great. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. God is great. How many could say he's been good to us? Anybody? When I say that, I'm standing on this piece of property. Anybody know about this piece of property? Have you, you know, do you know about it? Do you have any wisdom about it? You know, there was a handful of people one day that put the resources together and came and bought this particular piece of property. Somebody praise God. Anybody thankful? There were some people that sold chicken dinners down at, the, down at the beach. They walked around, sold chicken dinners in order they could raise enough money in order to put those beams up there. Does that bless anybody in the house, does it? You know, and it was just a little piece back in the day. I mean, all of this apartment complexes, the houses weren't necessarily up and down the street. Some of that came later. But there were some people who prayed and sought God and they had a vision and they built this. And I like that, but can I tell you something else? This room is full of miracles. Come on, where are you? Where are the miracles in this house? Just hold your hand up. Around this room are miracle after miracle after miracle. There are families in this room today that somebody at one time said, there ain't no way. They will not survive. There are people who have been delivered, who have been set free. God brought you out of the enemy's slavery, saved your home, rescued you from abuse, got you out of jail, forgave you of your abominations, washed your sins away. Come on, God is great. And God God is awesome. And if he did that before, how many know we can do that again? So he says, I want you to remember that. And then he starts talking about your family. How many know your family? I'll get your attention. Your family. Your family. I'm passionate. Anybody passionate about your family? Remember your family. I, I'm thinking, uh, anybody, where's my military folks at? Where are you? Where are my military folks? I mean, that's got to be weird, standing up and throwing your hand up in the air and promising what you're going to do. I mean, y'all said that you would put your life on the line for this country. And, and when you said country, you weren't talking about dirt, were you? You were talking about people. Am I right? Can I get a military amen or, or who y'all or something like that? All right, so, so, so what, what I'm saying is I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And I sometimes wonder, I've seen, uh, you know, I was flicking through the channels uh, late last night. We were sitting there and Saving Private Ryan came on. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, have you, have you watched those guys? Have you watched those? 
I mean, and some of you know that. Some of you have been in combat. I mean, I'm just so grateful for that, just that passion. But the passion, thinking, what causes you to rush into combat? What, combat? what causes you to put your life on the line? I remember Preston sitting here. Remember that, that time you were fighting and the newspapers were taking all kinds of pictures of you? And, and uh, he had this fight. It was a big fight. And, and uh, you know, he's the pastor disaster. And, and uh, this was before they did Fight Church, the Netflix movies, before that happened. And so we're, we're there. And, and I was kind of troubled because people wouldn't leave you alone. People wouldn't leave him alone. He's sitting there. He's already he's getting his hands wrapped, getting ready to go and, into this. And uh, so I, I, I just, you know, I was just afraid he wasn't focused, so I went to Brett Shaner, and I said, Brett, I'm just concerned. I want to make sure Preston's head's right. Would you go and talk to him? Now, you have to understand that Brett, Devin's husband, has got some experience in combat. And he said something. You remember that? He came back and said something to, to you, like, when you go out there, don't, don't just go out there for the, for the match. Don't go out there for that. But I want you to look at that guy as if he's attacking your family, as if he's attacking your wife, as if he's taking the food out of the mouths of your children. Anybody understand that? It's just kind of a switch. Now, you know, Preston and I are doing this little wrestling thing right now with Lynn Haven Middle School. Been doing it for years. And here's the big deal that we would like to do. It's, we want to teach these kids wrestling moves, right? We want to do that. But there's something we just can't do. Turn the switch on. Because there's a difference between doing a wrestling move and doing it with passion. Anybody know what I'm saying? There's a difference, a big difference. So, oh, by the way, Preston knocked that guy out in like no time. I'm telling you, it was like over. I'm standing in the corner saying, are you okay? You know, it was just, it was just that crazy. And he, he turned that particular switch on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because uh, there are some of you that understand this concept. Am I right? Like, uh, like mama, have you ever had that switch turned on? Somebody messing with your baby. Say, oh, no, you're not. I, uh. Christians need to get this understanding. You know, it's like uh, we need to be able to say to the devil, you stay away from my family. I don't know if you still get it. Some of you might have been raised in a time like I was. I was raised in the country uh, uh, when we didn't feed dogs and dogs didn't stay in the house. Okay, I got anybody knows what I'm talking about? Don't call PETA on me, all right? But you didn't feed dogs because dogs fed themselves. Now, if we did, we never bought it at the store. Some of you are looking at me like I'm an evil man right now. I'm going to tell you anyway. You never bought it at the store. If we had scraps left over after our meals, we would scrape them off in a plate and we would put them outside. Because the dogs just took care of themselves, okay? (laughs) You're going to be like, what world did you come from? I live in the country in Ohio, and the dogs just weren't inside. They were outside dogs. All the dogs lived outside, and they had, like, territories. Like, if you, we went, we, we drove down the street, drove, rode my bicycle, or ran down the street, there were certain dogs that had territories, all right? Like, Poochie had the corner, all right? Poochie, there was a dog named Poochie. And if you rode your bicycle and you headed toward the little store where we bought lunch meat and bread and milk in a pinch, because that's about all they had, just a few little things. But if you, if you drove toward Hall's Market, Poochie, who was owned by the Rileys, owned that corner. And as you're coming, he comes running out. And he would bite your leg. And you didn't call anybody. You just knew that was Poochie's corner. So what you learned to do was not take that from Poochie. Because if you just drove your bicycle, it's like, why are you driving on my corner? But if you jumped off your bicycle and looked at him and said, get out of here, Poochie, then Poochie would run back to his yard and leave you alone. Have I got an amen from anybody in the house? And sometimes you didn't just threaten on occasion, you put your foot in the face of Poochie. And can I tell you, in my life, I have kicked some dogs. <laughs> now, I'm not telling you to go home and kick your dog. It's a different world that we live in now. Can I get an amen? amen? But what I am telling you is the enemy loves to bark at you. I'm telling you that he says he owns the street corner, that he owns your house, he owns your territory, and we have been nice to him for way too long. I know he has victimized you in the past, but you're not going to live your life as a victim in the future. Listen, you say, well, it's going to get easier. We, We need to be more passionate now than ever before because there is a threat 
of infiltration by the enemy into the church and into our homes. Did you hear me? And the threat has increased. How many have ever heard of this? The spirit of the Antichrist. And I know that for the most, we would prefer not to even read these things. But, I mean, the Word of God talks about the Antichrist. I mean, I mean they, they've got like 38 different terms that is used in the Bible for Antichrist. Little horn, beast, the man of sin, the lawless one. Same guy, all right, that shows up. But at the beginning, it's the spirit of Antichrist. The Antichrist a term is used four times in First and Second John. But, but the term Antichrist is pretty easy to define. All right. What is antifreeze? It's to keep your engine from freezing, right? Antifreeze. That's what it is. It's antifreeze. What is antichrist? It's to keep you from Christing. It's to keep you from being the image of the Lord Jesus. Do you understand this? So, so you understand the antichrist is here to oppose and to replace. That's what it is. It's exactly what antichrist intends to do in our world today. The, the, the Antichrist, who will be revealed at some time, and the spirit of Antichrist is already among us. I'm going to preach this anyway, okay? The strategy of the Antichrist is an outpouring of spiritual deception to incite the world to rebel against God. Got it? And this is happening in our world today. It's happening right now, an outpouring of, dece of deception. And first, anybody read Thessalonians? Thessalonians is two letters, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, right? If you read Thessalonians, every chapter mentions the return of the Lord. And then in 1st in Thessalonians 4, there's this graphic description of, of the return of the Lord. However, after the first letter to the church at Thessalonica comes the second letter to the church at Thessalonica. And Paul is comforting them because a rumor had come out that the church had already been taken away and that they were left for uh, left in doom, that Jesus had already come. So in Second Thessalonians, Paul's comforting them and letting them know that what we would call the rapture has not returned, and he has not, and, and, and he is giving them a series of events. So this is really a blessing to us because in in Second Thessalonians we then get uh, a play by play. All right. So in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse one, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, what is this about? It's about the coming of the Lord Jesus. Okay, don't over. Come on, come on. Don't be so theological right now. All right. This is about what. The coming of the Lord Jesus. About the coming of the Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him. So there's going to be a what? A gathering of the church to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as it is from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means for the day will not come unless the falling away... What? Unless the falling away comes first... And the man of sin, who is that? Antichrist is revealed. The son of perdition, who is that? Antichrist. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Do you see that? So now we kind of have a picture. So don't be afraid this hasn't happened yet because that's what will happen. In verse 5 he says... Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining? And now, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Something is restraining. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Hallelujah! Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. What, what, what? You're not supposed to put your faith in signs and wonders. You got that? They're doing miracles. Come on. If they deny Jesus, call them accursed. All right? And, and with all unrighteous deception 
among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that all may be condemned who did not believe. So they're, they're going to snowball in their delusion, not believe the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. So what we are seeing in the world today is a moral freefall. Can I get an amen? amen? Just pay attention. A moral freefall. And the moral freefall that you are seeing, and listen, even a falling away in the church, all right? The Methodist church is gathering to decide whether or not it is acceptable to have same-sex marriages in their congregation and whether their ministers will be able to be same-sex excuse me, will be able to be uh, uh, driven by sexual brokenness, okay? You understand what I'm saying? So you say, well, what is that about? It's just what the Word of God says. How many know we love people no matter what their brokenness is here? Anybody know that? No matter what your brokenness is, we love you. If you're, if, whatever it is. But you see, I just went into that, and there's some of you are going, oh, no, don't talk about that. Somebody will Instagram it. We are afraid to speak the truth in the house of God. And that, come on, somebody preach with me, is an example of the brokenness and the moral freefall in our world. I don't believe that we will necessarily know who the lawless one is. I believe that he'll be revealed after the church has been taken away. Somebody praise God. But, but let me give you a timeline according to 2 Thessalonians so that we can be passionate about the future. One, a growing rejection to God's word and rebellion to biblical morality. That's what's going on right now. Amen? It's what's going on. It's what's happening in the world. Secondly, the spreading of the gospel by the church and the restraining of Satan by the Holy Spirit through the church. Did you hear about the missionaries today? Did you hear about what's going on in Ethiopia? Can I tell you more about Thailand or can I tell you about Africa because we know the Ngulutus are there right now in Kenya planting churches? Could I, could I tell you that around the world we are having a great time of revival? Somebody praise God for revival. And listen, do you know why the enemy can't do what he would like to do right now? Because of us. Somebody praise Jesus. There's a lot more that he would like to do, but it's us. It's the Holy Spirit in us. So that's the, the second thing is the spreading of the gospel by the church. And thirdly, the sudden catching away of the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 says, He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed when whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroying with the brightness of his coming. So I love that teaching right there. I love that if, if, if you understand it. First of all, first, in fact, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians, first of all, to catch away all the righteous, to catch us away. There's going to be, we used to sing, a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. Anybody got that? The Lord is taking his church. He's taking his church away to be with him. And then... It gets messy on the planet. Jesus has a great description, though, of the rapture. I, I love it. In Luke 17, this is what Jesus says. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate and drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? All right? Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah, it will be like that when the Son of Man returns. Amen? Is that what you see? And then Jesus says, in that day... He who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? She shouldn't have turned back. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in, in, in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. Two will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Come on, as it was in the days of Noah. It's a violent and immoral world. And this is pre 
tribulation, excuse me, pre-judgment business as usual world. And remember, the tribulation is the last seven years of human history. All right? Now, now there are those who say we are going to go through the tribulation. Some of you may. But let me remind you what's going to happen during the tribulation. One half of mankind will be killed. Meteors will hit the earth. And all of the sea life will die. That's what's going to happen. I don't think I want to be there. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's not a time of buying and selling. Or even wars and rumors of wars. That's where we are right now. It is a time of death and decay. Anybody glad that we have a Jesus who delivers us from wrath? Anybody glad for that? The Bible says in, or Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath, of com, the wrath to come. Or in chapter 5 verse 9, God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Some of you getting nervous while I'm preaching right now. I can feel that in the room. Luke 21, Jesus says this in verse 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is talking about the end times and he says pray that you may be counted worthy to escape these things. And Paul says, when I'm telling you about all these things, he's saying in verse 5 and 11 of 1 Thessalonians, he says, comfort each other with these words. So the words I'm sharing with you should comfort you. The only thing comforting is that I'm worthy to escape and stand before the Son of Man. I mean, these scriptures just mess me up as I'm reading through them. I mean, really, I mean, think about it. Just be that you're going to heaven. Does it make sense? You say, well, you know, they're saved. Just because mom and daddy are doesn't mean you are. Can I get an amen from somebody? We all, come on, we need to surrender our lives to Jesus. It's what we need to do. Now, this is an odd description, I know, but let me explain. You say, why is this happening? Revelation 6.15 says, all the kings of the earth and great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That's a weird statement there. For the great day of his wrath has come. I mean, when you think of wrath falling, you don't necessarily think of a lamb. You think of a lamb like, bah. You know, what could a lamb do? Okay, here's what the lamb did. The lamb went to the cross and died for us. The lamb spilled his blood for us. The lamb rose again and sat down on the right hand of the Father Jesus. And for 2,000 years, the lamb has offered grace and mercy in his spirit for us. He has poured it out. And some of us say, well, God is good. He will never do this. Let me tell you, there will come a time when the wrath of God will be released on the planet. After the church has been removed. And it will take place in a twinkling of an eye. The sounding of the trumpet. We'll be caught up together. First Thessalonians 4 says. To be with the Lord in, in the air. Okay. So just so you need to get this again. Let me restate that. Just because you're sleeping next to a Christian. Doesn't mean you're a Christian. You got that? We. Come on. Look at me. We need to get our lives right. We need to get the blood of Jesus cleansing our sins. We need to be transformed by the power of Jesus. We've got to stop playing this game of... Oh. How many know you're good because Jesus says you're good? How many know that? How many know you're saved by the grace of Jesus? Anybody know that? How many also know that Jesus saved us by grace to transform our lives? He didn't save you by grace so you'd continue to live the way you were living before you got saved. And you say, well, you know, I love the things. That we, you you got to understand what the Word of God says. I'm giving you this timeline. Let me give you the fourth item. The Antichrist is revealed to the world, and they worship him. So for the first three and a half, we have the rise of the Antichrist, and then the abomination that causes de desolation that you can read about in Revelation 13 and, 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 and verses 5 through 10. But as you read this, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing because basically the temple will be rebuilt... And then the Antichrist, the beast, the lost one, will go into that temple and say he is God. 
So the man, the man who is called beast, the man who is called the Antichrist, is not far from entering to the world. And then we have the second coming of Jesus Christ. Anybody glad for the second coming of the Lord? We have all of this as a part of that. But then we have the coming of the Lord Jesus. The rapture is a private event between Jesus and the church. But at the end of the tribulation, you know where we're going to be for seven years? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Anybody ever been to a wedding before? Anybody been to a wedding reception? We, as the church, we are the bride of Christ. And for seven years, we, all those who went before, somebody praise God, because the dead in Christ rise first, and then we go, and the, uh, we are alive and remain, are caught up to be with the Lord, and then we will forever be with the Lord. But we begin with the supper of the Lamb. And at the end of the seven years, we're going to come with Jesus as Jesus defeats the beast and the false prophet and sets up his millennial reign. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church. This is what he was saying. He was saying, you need to be ready for all of this. How many know we are close? Can I get an amen? We're close. Anybody seeing the end times? Anybody seeing this? You say, well, you know, I don't know if I want to talk to my family about Jesus or not. Come on, come on. You need to get off your high horse, and you need to realize that there is a threat against the wall, against the house. You need to understand that the enemy is threatening, and we need to post a guard on the lower parts. You understand what I'm saying? We need to make, we need to make a decision. The strategy of the Antichrist is to infiltrate the people of God with the love of the world to keep them from being passionate for God. You see that? He is infiltrating us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Listen, if Satan can't keep you from knowing God, he wants to keep you from trusting and serving God. He doesn't want the church to accomplish our mission. And he will use the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life to try to seduce us away from God. And John says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You, listen, you can't be in love with this world and in love with the Father at the same time. You say, I want to do well. I want you to do well. I want you to fight well. I want you, but I want you to have your eyes on heaven. Listen, let me give you some signs. If you're angry all the time, if you're always upset because you didn't get something, come on, anybody hear what I'm saying? If you're always frustrated because somebody else has a bigger car or a bigger house, come on, I, I'm not telling you to get rid of your 401k. I'm just telling you that ain't nobody got enough retirement for the last seven years. Jesus, tell that man to preach. Proverbs 10, 22, I love this. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. God's the most perfect father in the universe. And when he blesses you, there's no sorrow in his blessing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. See, we have a perfect father who wants to bless us. We don't need the world. Somebody shall take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You got it? Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? I'm just telling you, as much as the Spirit of Christ is trying to seduce us to try to keep us from serving a living and coming Savior, we must stand and trust Jesus because Jesus is coming again. again this, this world is different from when I was a child. There's severe apostasy in the world. Jesus is coming again. It's different. It's, it's so odd to me. I, I was reading in the news that, you know, that giant cross that's in Maryland, that big giant cross for World War I veterans, this massive cross, it's now they're going to take it to the Supreme Court to try to get it removed. 
seen that cross for years and years. Got to get that cross removed because we can't allow the nation to support the cross. Talk to me, somebody. Listen, Jesus has not come back yet, although I believe he could return at any time. We are a people who need to be ready to fight the enemy and save our children. I love how the people of Israel worked with Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17. So those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. You like that? It's like, yes, I'm going to do my business. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do that. But I'm going to be ready to fight the enemy on behalf of my loved ones, of my family, of my neighborhood, of my nation. Come on. Take a trial in one hand in verse, uh, chapter, chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days when all our enemies heard about this all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God did you hear that so they finished the work in 52 days now this is what happened the threats turned into fuel to speed up the work of the nation do you see that so for you and me I want you to know yes there's a moral free fall and yes the Lord Jesus is coming that ought to make us get busy right now you ought to say we're going to build our families build our homes get through the mess get people saved ah, I got to be finished praise you Jesus somebody lift your hands and worship the Lord you know you got to do you got to do more than yell at the devil you understand that you got to do more than that would you, would you work with me on this the sword of the spirit is what what is it? Anybody remember? The Word of God, right? The Sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. Okay. So I want you to stand. Would you stand with me? And listen, folks, we've got to get ready for the return of the Lord Jesus. Look at somebody and say, we've got to get ready. We've got to get ready. Tell somebody, we've got to get ready. Listen, I'm not reading you a fairy tale. I'm not, I'm not reading you the Lord of the Rings, Okay? I'm telling you the truth that Jesus Christ is about to return. And you say, well, you know, I got a lot of issues. You need to get through those issues. Am I right? You got to get through that. You need to get forgiveness. You need to get set free. Can I get an amen from someone? You need to be utterly set free. So we're going we're gonna to do some rededication and then we're going to do some prayer and some anointing. I believe all of us need to rededicate our life to the Lord Jesus. Anybody with me on this? So here we go. You ready for the word of God? This is the sword of the spirit. Sword of the spirit, all right? We're not going to let the enemy divide us. We're not going to let the walls be torn down. You ready? You're going to read this out loud with me, okay? Here we go. We are all parts of one body. We have the same spirit. No, wait, wait. I want you to read it like we are all one Okay? I want you to say it out loud like you're scaring Poochie away. Okay? Are you ready? Come on, say it. We are all parts of one body. We have the same spirit, and we have all been called to the same glorious future. For us, there is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and we all have the same God and Father who is over us all and in us all and living through every part of us. You receive that? Keep reading. God's people will be equipped to do better work for him. Building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity until finally we all believe alike about our salvation and about our Savior, God's Son, and all become full grown in the Lord. Yes, to the point of being filled full with Christ. You receive that? All of us filled full with Christ. All of us. Read verse 17. Live no longer as the unsaved do. Just stop. Just stop. We will what? Live no longer as the unsaved do. I know Jesus is coming. He said, well, now you're trying to get me to live by the law. No, I'm trying to get you to live by the Spirit. Because people who live by the Spirit do not live like the unsaved do. Hi, right, Pastor, you're just judging me. 
It's just, you know, a really good sign that you need to get saved is that you're always using that line. People are always judging me. Here I am, okay? I need for godly people to look at my life. Does that make sense? Do you need, how many, anybody else need that besides me? Anybody else? Let's read this. Come on. And again, with power. Live no longer as the unsaved do, for they are blinded and confused. Their closed hearts are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds against Him and they cannot understand His ways. How many were there? Anybody there? Was anybody there before? We're not, we're not busting on them. We're just saying this is what is going on. Keep reading. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Stop lying to each other. Tell the truth, for we are parts of each other. And when we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Get over quickly, for when you're angry, you give a mighty foothold to the devil. If anyone is stealing, he must stop it and begin using those hands for his so he can give to others in need. Don't use bad language. Say only what is good and helpful to those you are talking to and what will, and what will give them a blessing. Stop, stop. Did anybody get anything? Anybody having like any check marks? Anybody? Ding, 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 ding. Stop it. Verse 30. Don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by the way you live. Just stop. Say it. Don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by the way you live. Remember, He is the one who marks you to be present on that day when salvation from sin will be. Stop. Stop. So the Holy Spirit's made a deposit in all of you. Remember that? And then everyone who has Holy Spirit. You receive that? How many receive that? You receive that? Read, stop being mean, bad-tempered, and angry. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Verse 1, follow God's example in everything you do just as a much-loved child imitates his father. Verse 3, let there be no sexual sin, impurity, or greed among you. Let no one be able to accuse you of such things. How much sexual sin should we have in our lives? What? None? So how many think we ought to be practical about that? Can I, can I just tell you a secret? There are things that I cannot watch. I can't. My wife and I, anybody ever get on Netflix? It's like, okay, we'll try this show. And it's like, nope. Turn it off. Then you come back on. It's like, it says, you got like this many shows that you should complete watching. Not completing those. I'm not even sure I want it anymore. Can I get an amen from anybody in the house? You're saying, oh, you're just being all hypocrite. No. Okay, verse 11. Take no part in the worthless pleasures of evil and darkness, but instead rebuke and expose them. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I got more. Talk with each other much about the Lord. What? How often should you talk about the Lord? How often should you talk about the Lord? Like daily? Like when you get together? Okay. Talk with each other much about the Lord, quoting psalms and hymns and singing sacred songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord. Always give thanks for everything to our God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Honor Christ by submitting to each other. You wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way you submit to the Lord. Husbands, show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her. Children, obey your parents. This is the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand safe. You're not reading with me, are you? So that you'll be able to stand safe against the strategies and tricks of the Satan. So what do you need? 
All of it. How much? How many are reading the Bible today? This is the most Bible you've read in weeks. Come on. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which we, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That was a lot, wasn't it? And I know how late it is. I know, but I'm responsible for you all. I don't want you to go home just feeling good about yourselves and not being Christians. Just, you know, look, honey, it's okay. I, listen, we need to get honest with the Lord. Can I get an amen from somebody? We need the Spirit of Christ dwelling with us. And we love people. We need to love God enough to tell others the truth. Come on, can somebody shout amen? We need to be, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit all the time we need our children to rise up knowing Jesus Christ knowing that he loves them but he is a God of the truth somebody shout amen okay so who would like to come and just rededicate themselves to the Lord Jesus today come and come up to the altar who just wants to come I want to I'll come to the altar anybody want to join just want to fix this stuff I just want to fix this mess I want to fix this look, look don't let the enemy play with you don't let him trick you, okay and he will trick you in intimate areas in your life, can I get an amen look he will tell you that it don't matter what you do as long as you're happy. That's a lie. Because you can be happy all the way to hell. Did I get an amen from anybody? There is pleasure. How many have been there? Pleasure in sin. We are called to repent and to confess and come to Christ. Now, He loves you. And listen, how many have ever had to go on a journey before? Anybody had to go on a journey? So when I'm saying this, I'm not saying, well, tomorrow I'm not going to feel anything. I'm not going to struggle. No. How many have ever struggled? Anybody? Because the enemy comes to the wall and says, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to infiltrate your life. You keep doing this, you're going to be poor. You're going to be broke. You're going to be alone the rest of your life. And you just look at the enemy and say, I hear you, but I'm going to be with Jesus for eternity. And my Lord will provide for me all the things that I need. You got that? All right, just bow your heads. Everybody bow your heads. All right? Now just get honest with the Lord. Get honest with the Lord Jesus. Just get honest with Him. Get honest with Him. Let's say it. Lord Jesus, I believe in You. I believe that You died for me. That You rose from the dead. I believe that You are sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I confess that You are the Lord of my life. And I reject all the sin that has tried to control me. I will live as a child of God. I will walk in the power of God. Cleanse me. Convict me. Change me. Change me. Let me be a light in a dark world. Come Holy Spirit. Fill me. Say, come Holy Spirit. Fill me. Let your Spirit be in my life. Speak to me. Direct me. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. See, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be so full of faith that you don't have fear anymore. This is going to change some of you. Some of you, when you get home today, you're going to throw somebody out of your house. 
Some of, come on. Some of you, when you get home today, you're going to have to call somebody on the phone and straighten out a relationship. Somebody's going to have to lay on their face before God today and say, God, come and fill me. Give me power over what the enemy has tried to do in my life. All right? Until you have the joy of the Lord, that becomes your strength. Can I get an amen? All right, just bow your head. Stay right where you are. Stay right where you are. Holy Spirit, direct me. Change my life. Cleanse me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful for these that have come. I want any prayer workers that would like to to come and stand in this altar as well. And just lay your hands on people around here and pray with them. And allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. If you have prophetic things that you need to speak, I want you to be willing to just go ahead and minister to the people that are here. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you as you pray for people that are here. If there are those of you that are struggling greatly with sin and with the deception of the enemy, come. We'd love to pray with you that your life would be changed, your life would be transformed. I want everybody in the house at the same time. We're going to dismiss in just a second. I want you to lay your hands on people next to you, and I want you to pray. Holy Spirit, come. Settle upon them. Speak truth. Give them a passion for the future. In the name of Jesus. Pray for one another. Go ahead. Lay your hand on one another. Prayer workers, just pray for these that are here. Just take a moment. And all of you, everybody that's in this altar, I want you to take personal time. I want you to call on the Lord. And I want you to say, Lord, I rededicate myself to you. I surrender myself to you. Church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. When you finish your prayer time, all, any and all of you may be dismissed when you choose. But we're going to anoint and pray for those that are here in the altar. God bless you. I love you. Be ready for Jesus to come back. Be ready. Bless you all. Sing.